Welcome to the 85th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a quick overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, recapping week six of the college football season, and recapping week five of the NFL season. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. Starting in Major League Baseball, Patrick went 2-2 two and two with his Major League Baseball predictions. In NCAA football predictions, Patrick was a perfect 4-0. And in the NFL, Patrick went 3-1 this past weekend with his predictions. So he was 9-3 overall, bringing him to a 203-150 overall record for the season, a 57.5% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts? Well, another good week in a row for me. Uh, That's eight predictions right in a row in the NCAA. Uh, some close games in the MLB. Those were game ones of series, uh, not full series because they wouldn't have ended, and then that would have been a very long, outstanding prediction. Uh, Got to figure out what I'm going to do moving forward when there's only like one game on, two games on at a time, but uh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, and then uh, other than that, I mean, great NCAA predictions. And then in the NFL, there, I, I mean... By the way, in both the NFL and the NCAA, I could have lost two of those. I could have lost three or four of those games. Um, Oklahoma and Texas, Ole Miss and Arkansas, even Iowa and Penn State were really down to the wire. Iowa and Penn State would have been a stressful game in weeks prior, but this week with the other games, that was not as crazy, but it was still a very, very crazy game. Um, and then just overall, a pretty good week. And then uh, the Browns barely lost to the Chargers. Uh, and that game was another game that I predicted that was very, very high scoring that I uh, barely got right. Um, and then the Chiefs were the only team in football games that I picked wrong. Uh, I had a lot more faith in them, and uh, well, we'll talk about what I think about them later. All right. Well, once again, Patrick's predictions for next weekend and every week are posted on Thursdays on our website, 4thand24.com. So let's move from our weekend predictions over to our weekly look at college football starting with what you thought the best games of Week 6 were. Well, I'll start with some of the ones that I just talked about, uh, namely Iowa against Penn State. Iowa won 23-20 against Penn State. Uh, Big comeback in this game, too. Penn State's quarterback went out, uh, that being Sean Clifford. And Iowa mounted a comeback to make it all the way back into the game and end up taking the win at the very end. Uh, They cut it very, 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 very close. But they did end up with the win, and that's what's most important. Uh, Then I'm going to go with OU and Texas. It was a huge, huge game. Texas was up by 21 at the end of the first quarter. They were up 28-7. OU took Spencer Rattler out of the game and benched him. And yet still, they, after all the benching of quarterbacks and 21-point deficits, found a way to pull out the win in this game. Uh, winning 55-48, to 48, definitely a Big 12 rivalry game by the score. Um, but that wasn't even the highest scoring game of the week. Uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas played to 52-51, to 51, and uh, if you're wondering about either of those games, OU and Texas had some ridiculous stats. I'm going to go back to that for a second before I go deeper into OU, uh, before I go deeper into the Ole Miss game. Uh Casey Thompson for Texas threw 388 yards and five touchdowns. Bijan Robinson had 20 carries for 137 yards and a touchdown. Kennedy Brooks had 25 carries for 217 yards and two touchdowns for Oklahoma. And both teams had two receivers with two touchdowns on less than 10 receptions, but over 100 yards. 
That being Marvin Mims, who made the game, the, probably the play of the weekend on a crazy catch he made that ended up winning the game for Oklahoma, or I guess that was the tying catch. Um, and that was one of his five receptions that went for 136 yards and two touchdowns. And then Xavier Worthy had a costly, costly fumble uh, that really let OU back into the game. However, he did end up with nine receptions, 261 yards, and two touchdowns, including um, a really late game touchdown for Texas. But then that Arkansas miss game, I mean, that game, both teams knew that they couldn't stop each other in the second half so much that Ole Miss decided, or Arkansas decided, excuse me, that at the end of the game, scoring the touchdown that could have tied the game, they went for two instead of kicking the extra point, knowing that over time probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't really matter. It's going to end in a two-point conversion anyway because neither team could stop each other uh, on a full field, definitely not on a 25-yard field that was limited in overtime. So uh, Arkansas makes that decision, but Ole Miss ends up winning that game again, down to one play, and it was one of those games that I predicted. So uh, cut those margins very, very narrow in that game. Yeah, some really exciting games, especially and to kick off the day. Those were all first kickoffs. Other than the Iowa game. Yeah, I was going to say the Oklahoma-Texas and Arkansas-Mississippi played at the same time. So two fantastic games, high-profile games going on at the same time. Let's move on to the biggest upsets of the weekend. Well, I think one of them is very, very obvious. A top-10 team lost at home this weekend to an unranked team. Boise State upset you upset BYU number ten in the country heading into the week, twenty six to seventeen. They outscored BYU seventeen to nothing in the second quarter after going down ten to three at the end of the first. Uh, that really sealed the game. They never looked back from there after getting a twenty to ten lead. And really, I mean, that's a, that. It's a crazy amount of. Uh, it's 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 just crazy that this week had not really too many upsets to be quite honest but the two upsets that did happen were huge and this one was just the first one and by the way Boise State is only a three and three team and that's only after that game they were two and three heading into number 10 team in the country's home and they won on their home field it's crazy to me um but again uh, a great played game by Boise State uh, and they get the win, and by the way, that's a very, very, very good program, always has been, so if there was a team to upset BYU, not surprised it's Boise State, uh, except for they did play a bunch of Pac-12 teams, and none of them could do it earlier in the year, and then the second upset, I mean, come on, number one went down, Alabama lost, they lost for the first time in 16 games against Texas A&M, uh, after A&M really had a lot of, str- a lot of uh, struggles trying to beat them in the past, and uh, Nick Saban's assistants were 0-24 against him until this game, and by the way, had lost last week against him, that being Lane Kiffin, uh, and that was probably one of the best shots that people thought maybe a team could have at Alabama, uh, and all of a sudden, after two straight losses with A&M, losing to Arkansas and then losing to Mississippi State at home the week after, this is their bounce-back game. Uh, they did almost choke this game, and then they were also down seven near the end of this game and ended up scoring 10 unanswered to win. So, uh, while it did set their athletic department back $100,000 after they violated the fans storming the field rules of the SEC, which is a new rule that I didn't know about, but uh, it cost a and $100,000, uh, they did get that win against Alabama and maybe that booster that uh, that Jimbo Fisher was talking about, uh, talking to about beating Alabama might pay him the $100,000 yeah, back. Yeah, he might cover that fine. He might cover Gladly, that. Gladly, a few times over for that win. All right, let's move on. Who are the most impressive teams, obviously, other than those upset teams, teams who did the upsets, 
Uh, who are the most impressive teams of the weekend? Well, I think any of the teams in the best games could have been put sure. there. And then I have a few in the road wins category who could go here, but I'm not going to repeat them. So I'm going to go a little bit off the board with more uh, victories that were expected, but the margins really proved something about these teams. I'm going to start with Arizona State winning 28-10 to against Stanford. Stanford had the win against Oregon. Uh, they've proven that they can beat good teams. They, I mean, they were the reason why USC fired Clay Helton, so they've clearly had a big impact. You said, you said beat good teams. Okay, but they've had a big impact on the playoff picture this year uh, with that win over Oregon and really just college football overall. They fired a coach and got knocked a team out of the playoff picture pretty much, so that's a pretty big impact for a team that only has three wins on the year. Um, but Stanford has been good, and Arizona State shut them down and really made sure that they were never in the game, and that's something that you'd like to see out of a team who's going to win a weak conference. you you got to make sure that you keep those teams down early so that you don't end up like Oregon losing at the end of the game because you let them hang around for too long, regardless of bad calls, etc. You just can't let it get to a point where the game relies on a bad call. Make it so that the bad call makes the game a 10-point game as, a, as opposed to an 18-point loss rather than a loss as opposed to a win. Uh, and that's what Arizona State did. And I got to admit, I didn't have much belief in them after they turned the ball over four times against BYU, and BYU doesn't look too great now either. But I think this was a game that proved... Maybe they're not a top 15 team or anything like that, but with all the craziness going on, they might end up there by the end of the season, whether they deserve it or not. And I think they're decent enough to kind of hold that position. Uh, the second team I'm going to go with is Kentucky because I was not a believer in Kentucky. I was more of a doubter in Florida. I was very, very unconvinced with Florida at the very beginning of the season. Their close game against Alabama kind of turned my, uh, my stance on them around a little bit. But then after Alabama struggles this week, I'm not so sure that Florida was actually playing well against the best team in the country. I think they were playing well against a legitimate top 10, but not amazing team. Uh, and because of that, I, I really was starting to think that Kentucky's win didn't really matter much, but LSU was hungry and they needed a win Desperate. and Kentucky shut them out completely. Uh, 42 to 21 heading into the fourth quarter. This was a 28 to seven game after Kentucky kind of pulled away in the third quarter. They were up 14 to nothing at the half, made it 28 to seven by the end of the third quarter. Uh, so they really never let LSU in the game kind of stay played even from the point on after they had taken a giant lead. And I think that's really, really important in the same way that Arizona state did that. Uh, and then that, that margin is just important to me. And the fact that they're still undefeated, they're one of the few unbeatens left and they're really making an argument for their position in the SEC. Uh, and the final team for most impressive teams, Ohio State had a very rough start to the season, and while Oklahoma has continued to play close games, even this weekend against Texas, where they probably should have lost if Texas could play any defense, um, Ohio State has done the opposite after playing some close games to start the season and losing a game to Oregon 66-17 to against Maryland. Uh, they are playing like a top-five team. They're playing like the team they thought we could be before the season, uh, and that's really scary for the rest of the Big Ten, especially if you're Penn State and you just lost on the road to Iowa. If you think that winning at Iowa was hard, good luck winning at Ohio State. Yeah, and a tough two weeks for Maryland, getting blown out both by Iowa and then getting blown out by Ohio State. All right, uh, most impressive player or players for the weekend? Well, I'm going to give it to K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas. Uh, the theme here which you'll see in uh, both leagues, is that uh, I'm, I'm looking for losing players who played well. I talked about the players on Texas who played well in that Oklahoma game. Uh, didn't really mention what, didn't really uh, 
go fully into all of that stuff as most impressive players, but they were worth mentioning, Xavier Worthy and Casey Thompson especially. Uh, but KJ Jefferson, 25 of 35, 326 yards, three touchdowns, one interception that was pretty costly considering this was a real offensive shootout, uh, but also had 20 rushes for 85 yards and three touchdowns. So 4.3 yards per carry on the ground, nearly 10 yards per per throw uh, on in the air, and just a really good game to keep Arkansas in the game. He was very upset when they lost at the end of the game, but he pretty much did all he could uh, and kept Arkansas in that game against Ole Miss in a tough, well, maybe not a tough environment, but uh, on the road nonetheless in the SEC, a very tough, uh, very tough circumstances to win. And he gave his team the best chance that he could have, but unfortunately they didn't win. Just came up a little short on that two-point conversion. All right, the best road wins of the weekend. Well, I would talk about these teams in impressive, but they won by the same identical score against unranked teams, and uh, they're both good enough that I don't think that's too impressive. Uh, Notre Dame with the comeback win over Virginia Tech. They won 32-29. to Heading into the fourth quarter, they were losing 22-21, to and they pulled off the, uh, I guess it's, well, I don't even know if it was an upset because that line was going between Pickham and then Virginia Tech and then Notre Dame. I mean, you don't really know who was really favored in this game. Uh, opinions definitely divided. But they did end up with a game-winning field goal to win 32-29. to A tough place to win on the road, as North Carolina can tell you, although they're pretty awful themselves. So I uh, don't know if it's really the environment or if it's the team that North Carolina is. But uh, it, it still looked like a tough environment for Notre Dame to win in, although they were able to do that. So uh, big win for them. And then I'll move on to another team who played a decent team that uh, not necessarily going to pose any challenges to top, top teams, but uh, still a hard game and a hard place to win at. Michigan winning, again, as I said, by the exact identical score, 32-29 to at Nebraska. Uh, again, a top 10 team, just like Notre Dame is number 14. So that was not, again, not a surprise for Notre Dame. Shouldn't be a surprise for Michigan. Um, but it was still it was still a hard-fought game, a hard-fought win. Uh, and Michigan was up 13 to nothing at half. So this probably should have been an easier win, but it was not. Uh, and you still have to give credit to Nebraska for playing hard and fighting back. And you also have to give credit for Michigan or to Michigan uh, as ne- as Nebraska scored 22 points in the third quarter to take a 22 to 19 lead into the fourth quarter, uh, and then Michigan outscored Nebraska 13 to seven, forcing a fumble at the end of the game. Uh, outscored them 13 to seven in the fourth quarter, I should say, and then forced a fumble at the end of the game uh, to get themselves the game-winning field goal and win 32 to 29. So two teams that won in decently tough environments. Uh, and that was the story of the week for them. But you know what? It's survive and move on in college football. So uh, that was that that was a key win for both of those teams. And in that uh, Michigan game, Michigan was the last team not to have trailed during the year. So now every team after trailed. Alabama had trailed like five minutes before Michigan was trailing when A and M opened up their lead in the in times that games that started pretty much thirty minutes apart from each other. Yeah, uh, and then Georgia also. And, I mean, I'm not going to talk about Georgia because I'm not impressed by them beating Auburn. I think they should have beaten them by 50. Um, but Georgia did, in fact, trail 3 to nothing to Auburn, breaking their streak. And BYU was one of the teams that had the other team that hadn't trailed. And, uh, well, they lost. So All four uh, teams were... Yeah, all four teams had not trailed. Two of them lost. Uh, two of them, one of them, well, two of them won. One of them in dominant fashion still after scoring second. Uh, the other one 
uh, making a comeback at the end on the road. All right. Uh, well, there's a little tidbit. Any overall takeaways from across college football in week six? Well, the Big Ten is for real. I think the five teams that are in the top ten now, uh, are, I mean, first of all, five teams in the top ten is ridiculous. That's something that you really don't see from many conferences. Normally, it's the SEC, if you would, and it's before they even play each other. But Penn State and Iowa have played each other, and they're still both in the top ten. Uh, this will become a bloodbath when oh, when Ohio State... Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State start playing each other because all of those three team or all of those four teams will have three games at some point in the season, uh, or three games against a team that was in the top ten at some point in the season before the year is over. Uh, and really, those those three games amongst those teams, those records will decide the conference. Uh, so, I mean, this is a very congested top of the Big Ten. Uh, you know, the the division with Ohio State and Michigan has always been the best division. Um, but Iowa has opened up a huge gap because the second best team in this conference arguably, or in that division of the conference, arguably, is Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is 1-2 in conference after playing Penn State and Michigan, two of the top 10 teams. Pretty unlucky in those crossover games for them. Um, but... Nobody can really catch Iowa considering that Iowa just won that game against Penn State and their other crossover game probably isn't as hard. Uh, So we'll have to see how that works out later in the year, but Iowa's got a pretty straight path to the championship game, to the Big Ten championship game at least. And then we'll see who comes out out with the least amount of losses uh, from that big bunch. But I think what's really interesting about it is the fact that possibly the most talented team is the one that already has a loss to set them back which would probably set up for a hard road for the Big Ten to actually... I think they will get a playoff team, but it makes it a little bit more challenging. Uh, if you have an undefeated champion from the Big Ten, they're going to make the playoff. But if you have a one-loss champion versus an SEC one-loss champion and a one-loss uh, loser, say Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game, now all of a sudden you have a debate as to which one of those teams is uh, is a playoff team. And then you add Cincinnati in there, and now you really got a problem. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. And, uh, if Ohio state runs the table, all of those teams will at least have one loss. I think mathematically one of them also has to have two, not quite sure. Uh, pretty sure. But then regardless, um, it's, I mean, the big 10 is jammed, but another conference that is jam packed, Kentucky, Texas, A&M, Ole Miss, their teams three through five. I can't tell you what order that is the sec. I think I can still confidently say that Alabama is still firmly better than Ole Miss. They are allowed to lose to Texas A&M once by three points and still be regarded as a better team overall in the season. I think they'll get better because of the loss. I think at some point, Nick Saban criticizing his team after winning by 50 gets a little bit old. Uh, And I think either, I think depending on the character of the team, sometimes they just keep taking it in stride and really believe what he's saying and believe his criticisms and really work to get a lot better from week to week. And sometimes they just believe, hey, look, we're the number one team in the nation. No one is better than us. There's a reason why. Stop complaining about us beating, winning by six, by 50. And all of a sudden, this loss to Texas A&M is maybe that wake-up call. Uh, A&M, we know, is more talented than an unranked team. They're going to be right. They are ranked this week. Uh, they're going to continue to be ranked probably for most of the rest of the year. Uh, and, you know, they have the talent of a top 10 team, so it's not all too surprising that they did lose to this team. Um, but a and I'll say, is, is probably in that top five. Uh, and then I would say Florida probably is the sixth. The reason why I say that is just because uh, Florida did lose 
to Alabama, and A&M beat Alabama, and Florida also lost to Kentucky, so they're clearly below Kentucky and A&M, in my opinion, especially the way they're playing right now. And then Ole Miss did not stay in the game against Alabama, but I believe that win over Arkansas is pretty important, and A&M couldn't beat Arkansas, so they all have their wins that they can claim, and Kentucky can claim the 6-0 record in the win over Florida and LSU uh, as to why they're good. So, I mean, look, this is why I'm saying I have no idea who goes where, but it is 3-5, through five, maybe with Florida, I guess, as 6, and maybe them going into that 3-5 to five mix too, but it's confusing. Can't tell you who's at the top uh, of those four or three or four, but I can tell you who's at the top of the country. Georgia proved you and me right. They are the number one team in the nation. I started it two weeks ago. I was thinking about it three weeks ago, but I didn't quite pull the trigger on putting them one in our rankings. Two weeks ago, I did it. Uh, then I did it again last weekend, and obviously I will be doing it this weekend after the only team you could debate uh, that they were on the same level as or that was on the same level as them lost, and that being Alabama. They're the number one team in the country. And also, the teams who have frequently made the, the, the playoff are struggling. Uh, if Oklahoma had lost this weekend, you would have the three teams that are almost always there, uh, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma, and frankly, you can slide Ohio State in there too, all with one loss. Still, Oklahoma is the only undefeated out of all of them now that Alabama has lost. Clemson is pretty much locked out of the playoff picture. They don't play enough hard games in the ACC to get in as a two-loss team. Uh, Alabama's going to have to go through Georgia, which is going to be tough, and they're also going to have to be perfect throughout the rest of the year, including that game against Georgia, and then they're going to have to hope that they get let in anyway. Uh, then you have Oklahoma, who probably played their hardest game of the year already, uh, although maybe that Iowa State game, maybe Iowa State can get up for that and play a little bit better, but I don't know if they can, and I think I had a lot of these teams going undefeated. I think I had five undefeateds, and all of them have already lost, other than uh, actually, I did have Georgia losing. I, I didn't. I did have Georgia losing to Clemson. So I guess they are. They they all are uh, not undefeated anymore. But those teams are struggling, and uh, I think that makes for an interesting playoff field. Maybe we get to see Cincinnati in there. Uh, we'll see Georgia, possibly a different team, in the Big Ten than Ohio State, which would be the first time since Michigan State made it uh, that that has happened. Uh, Iowa almost made it a few years ago too, but they did not. So. Could be Iowa, could be Penn State, could be Michigan, could be Michigan State. All of them have the caliber, I think, right now, and it'll be an interesting uh, race down the year. Okay, that wraps up the look at college football. Now let's move on to our weekly review of NFL action. Let's start with your best games of NFL Week 5. Well, I talked about one of them very briefly in my predictions. Uh, the Chargers and the Browns, 47-42, uh, an NFL shootout that you don't see very often. Uh, and maybe two teams that a few years ago you definitely wouldn't expect to take place in that. But uh, Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield were both pretty much getting their offenses firing on all cylinders. Uh, but the Browns' defense really shut down in this game and just did not do anything. Uh, that game was just really a giant shootout. There's nothing more to say about it. Um, and then Cincinnati against Green Bay, the battle of the missed field goals uh, and interceptions... Uh, I, th there's nothing to explain it. I'll just say, you just look at the game summary, the last like six drives where it's missed field goal, interception, missed field goal, interception, missed field goal, uh, something, and then made field goal to win the game. Uh, Mason Crosby had made 25 straight field goals heading into the day. Uh, the announcer at the beginning of the game made a point to not jinx him earlier in the game. Then they put up the graphic again later, and then he did miss that field goal. Then he missed three other, or then he missed two other field goals, I should say. Um, and that was the end of the game for the Packers. Uh, well, at least we thought it was going to be until the Bengals 
uh, missed another field goal. They missed two or three themselves, and look, just had a messy overtime game uh, that actually almost ended in a tie after how many field goals were missed. Um, but overall, 25-22, to 22, a big win for Green Bay. Both teams 3-1 and one heading into that game. Obviously, the Bengals not really seen as a huge contender, but maybe this game can change the, the, the look, the view in some people's eyes after they contend with a team who is one of the better teams. Uh, and frankly, fared better than a lot of other teams have against the Packers this season. The only team who's fared better were the Saints when they beat them week one. And, other, and since then, uh, the Packers haven't lost a game. So it's it's a pretty good game that the Bengals played. Uh, and I think they still have a lot to be proud of even after that. And the final game of the best games were the Rams at the Seahawks on Thursday night football. Almost forgot about it because it was on Thursday night. Uh, 26 to 17. Just an interesting game of typical Rams Seahawks uh, Thursday night battle. For some reason, I feel like that game always ends up on Thursday night. Uh, just, I don't know why, but it's always on Thursday night, uh, even though it's one of the more premier matchups. And the Rams played a good enough game to edge out the Seahawks as their defense kind of struggled for most of the game. And they also lost Russell Wilson in the middle of this game, which is very, very important. He'll be out for four to eight weeks. And uh, we'll have to see what that means for the Seahawks and for the rest of the NFC West race. All right, what about the most disappointing teams from Week 5 of the NFL? Well, you can't lose to the Eagles. Uh, that's the golden rule of not being a disappointing team. So Carolina losing 21-18, to especially the way in which they lost. They The, the game-winning touchdown that the Eagles scored was only because they couldn't get a punt off at the end of the game. And as everybody's saying, you just got to get the punt off. You can't try to punt it deep. The punter held onto it for too long. Can't worry about the distance. Let it go 20 yards if it does. Just don't let it get blocked. It got blocked. Ended up, I think, on the 20 or 30-yard line that the Eagles took over. And then they scored the game-winning touchdown to win 21-18 to in a game where they were losing uh, for most of the game uh, and by a big margin, too. So Carolina, after their 3-0 start, has now lost two in a row. And by the way, not even against great teams. They have played the worst division in the NFL year in and year out, pretty much. Uh, and they did not beat... Probably the worst team in that division, that being the Eagles. Maybe the Giants are worse than the Eagles. Um, but it's up for debate, and after they lost to the Cowboys, and that one did not, their, their defense did not show up in that game. Their defense couldn't get the stops they needed right at the end of the game in this one, and their offense couldn't manufacture enough to put this game away. So that was very disappointing from them. The next team I had to go to uh, is the Las Vegas Raiders, even before... Uh, the John Gruden news that we've heard today that he is going to be resigning after uh, a plethora of bad comments that he made in the past. Uh, but nine points against Chicago. And, I mean, Derek Carr looked like he was worse than Justin Fields. And I think, regardless of who you want to blame that on, that can't happen. 20-9 um, to nine to lose at home to the Bears. You were 3-0 and to start the season. You lost one game. You had you, you won some tough games. You won against the Ravens, who have still not lost another game after that game. Uh, but this was a must-win game for them because I think it's one of those teams that if you want to be a playoff team, you have to be able to separate yourself and beat teams like the Bears. Uh, the Bears aren't a bad team, but you got to beat the teams like the Bears, like the Bengals, uh, if you really want to be that playoff-caliber team. And I don't know if Las Vegas is going to be able to do it anymore, especially without a head coach. Uh, and then the last one, Kansas City, where's your defense? Where's your defense? Please tell me. 
Somebody got. Somebody has to go find it. Uh, I don't know where it is. It might be lost in 2018. I mean, that, that year they didn't really have much of a defense either. Uh, it might be lost in 2019, uh, maybe in the middle of the year of 2020. But wherever that defense is, they got to go find it, and they got to go find it quick because if they don't find it now, they're not going to have a good season. Uh, they're already 2-3. and three. They already have a lot. They already, for some people, have more losses than they thought they would all season in Week 5. Uh, and again, this game was another example of them not having defense and they're also turning the ball to over too many times. So their defense is tired and they're used to their offense staying on the field for a while. And now they're tired. Clyde Edwards, Elaire is going to be out for a little bit. So they have an injured run game and it wasn't really doing anything to begin with. So this is a not looking good for Kansas city. They're not trending in the right direction. All right. Who are your most impressive teams? Well, on the flip side, or actually not on the flip side, on the side of the best games, uh, I'm going to go back to the Chargers uh, over the Browns. The Chargers were really impressive. I did not think they could put up 47 points against such a good defense. Uh, Not not exactly expecting the Browns to shut the Chargers out, to hold them under 20 or anything like that. But 47 points is a lot of points, and I was not expecting the Chargers to be able to do that. Uh, I would be impressed if they scored 30, so 47 again. It's just a ridiculous number. Uh, So just the offense, they're really impressive. Nothing to really talk about about their defense uh, because they still gave up 42 points. Uh, Then I'm going to go with Tampa Bay for exercising Tom Brady's demons uh, against Miami. He normally struggles when he's favored by a lot against them, 2-3 and three in his career when favored by double digits against Miami heading into this game. But then they won this game 45-17. to 17. They absolutely exposed Miami's defense no matter what receiver they were throwing to, uh, and they just dominated the game. Uh, then I'm going to go on the flip side of the Kansas City game. Buffalo looks like they are like they are the kings of the AFC right now, and uh, we'll talk about that more later. But in this game especially... That was a huge narrative that I think I saw coming through. Uh, and their defense isn't all too bad either. This is not just a team who's only going to play offensive football. And last but not least, the Ravens' comeback of 16 points in the fourth quarter was huge to send the game to overtime and then eventually win against the Colts. They're now 1-1 one one in overtime games in the, on the season, so technically they just even that out. But if you were 0-2 in overtime games against the Colts and the Raiders, that's not a way to end up winning the division and get home field. And by the way, with the Chiefs playing a little bit rough, they have a real opportunity to actually make the AFC run through Baltimore and maybe get a first-round bye. Uh, Buffalo's in a good position because the rest of their division is not very good. But the Ravens could at least get the two-seed and really avoid playing Kansas City or Buffalo until the end, uh, which would be pretty helpful. So we'll have to see what happens with them. But I was really, really impressed with the Ravens and how they were able to come back in this game. Yeah, well, they almost blew it with a boneheaded personal uh, personal foul and that almost led to a game-winning field goal by Indy. They missed a field goal. They come back and score on first drive of overtime to win that game. Let's go to the most impressive players. Starting with, well, it's all going to be teams that were uh, mentioned somewhere here. We'll go to Justin Herbert first. 26 of 43, 398 yards and four touchdowns. A uh, career-high 398 yards, although obviously his career is very young. But again, I already talked about their offense and he was the catalyst for them this week. And then Austin Eckler was had a pretty normal game for himself, which means a pretty good game for running back. And he and Herbert carried them all the way to get that 47-point performance. Uh, then we go to Devontae Adams, 11 receptions, 206 yards, one touchdown. Speaking of career highs, this is Devontae Adams' first 200-yard uh, reception game of his career. Yeah, 200 yards receiving game of his career. 
uh, and it came at a pretty good time in an overtime game, uh, pretty important, and that, I mean, you know, it's not a playoff game, it's not the most important game ever, but that was still a big win for uh, Green Bay, and last but not least, well, actually not last but not least, for second to last but not least, Tom Brady had the first 400 passing yard five-touchdown game of his career, which I was surprised to hear he hadn't done before. Uh, I feel like he's definitely thrown for five touchdowns probably 20 or 30 times, and also for 400 yards probably 20 or 30 times, but I guess in his 300-plus career games, he's never quite lined the stars up. Uh, But 411 yards, five touchdowns on 30 of 41 passing in this game. So Tom Brady, very, very impressive. And finally, Lamar Jackson for leading that comeback. 37 of 43, 442 yards, four touchdowns, along with 82 yards on the ground. Yeah, that that guy can't throw. He can't throw. Lamar can't throw. Are you kidding me? All right. Any overall takeaways from NFL Week 5 action? The Dolphins, Raiders, Broncos, all started 3-0, all trending the wrong way, all back to what we thought before the season. Uh, Although... Luckily for the Raiders and the Broncos, Kansas City is not taking a hold of this division like they thought they would. However, the Chargers have, which means that they're almost locked out uh, of that division race, especially considering that Kansas City is still behind those teams somehow. Uh, And we'll have to see how Kansas City plays for the rest of the year. But I would assume that Kansas City catches these two, uh, that being the Raiders and the Broncos, especially with the Raiders' new situation. And the Dolphins are 1-4. Good luck coming back to get to catch the Bills. It's not going to happen. Uh, and that's also maybe too rough to even get into the playoffs as a wildcard team this year, especially with the loaded AFC. Even the Bengals are already in way better position to get there. Uh, the Steelers even have a better record after their rough start, and they look like they're turning the corner. They have a veteran team. So the Dolphins having some trouble, and uh, I don't know how they turn it around. The next one that I'm going to talk about, uh, the Bears might have found their QB. Justin Fields played a very good game, uh, stayed out of trouble, let the Bears control the game, let their defense stay on the field uh, for a minimal enough time that they were able to keep the Raiders in check. And because of that, the Bears won this game 20-9. to And uh, look, I mean, Justin Fields is young, and I think maybe they, maybe he could spark a playoff run just because... He gets everybody believing a little bit more again. Uh, and then fu- and then two, three more, actually, I should say. Have the Rams and the Cardinals separated themselves in the NFC West? I think they have. The Rams by beating the Seahawks and the, and the Cardinals by beating the Niners. Uh, those two teams are now both, I think, two and three, which is not too good on the whole year. And the Rams are four and one with only a loss to the Cardinals. So I believe it really is just them and the Cardinals and... I'm not so sure how much of an off week it was for the Rams versus how much of a great week it was for the Cardinals. Or if the Cardinals are just better than the Rams, I can't really say. But those two teams are definitely near the top of the NFC uh, and definitely at the top of this division. Speaking at the top of the speaking of the top of the division, Buffalo owns the AFC. I think this was their, their final uh, little proving ground game. They showed you that they could beat the worst team. They beat the Texans 40 to nothing and let Mitchell Trubisky score a touchdown, which just goes to show you how much they beat them by. Then they went to Arrowhead uh, for like the final boss of the NFL uh, and beat the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. Huge win for Buffalo and really proves that they are uh, an up, well, not even an up and coming team because they were in the AFC Championship game last year. But I think this is finally. Maybe a changing of the guard type of game where 
Uh, the team who just lost in the AFC Championship game now pulls that win out on the road at the same place where they lost last year. Uh, and they won pretty easily, not to mention it wasn't really a close game, nothing affected by some crazy uh, uh, ref calls and, or anything like that. They just won it straight up. Uh, and finally, I think the Chargers could win the AFC West. Um, I'm not picking them quite yet, but they do have the win over Kansas City at the beginning of the year, and they're 4-1, and one, and Kansas City is 2-3. and three. They have a two-game advantage I think it really depends on how much the Chiefs can kind of kick it into high gear as we get later in the year. I think the Chargers will be probably an 11 and 6, 12 and 5 team by the end of the year. But the question is can Kansas City go on a crazy run and go 11, 10 wins in a row by the end of the year or 10 wins in a row at some point to keep uh the Chargers locked out or do they lose 3 or 4 games and make it an easy win for the Chargers? But I think it's possible. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think. I'm not going to go in their direction just yet. But keep your eyes open for it. Yeah, Chiefs are the type of team that can rattle off rattle, rattle off that type of a closeout to the season. And there's one extra game to be played this year, so they got one extra week to make it up. All right, that wraps up this edition of the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, October fifteenth, where we will have our weekly analysis of Major League Baseball action after most of the playoff pictures decided and other important news from the world of sports. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games, his predictions for the entire college football and NFL seasons, and the sixth installment of our college football top 25 poll on Tuesday. All of that is on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.